You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share with you simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your home, as well as giving you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created this safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you bringing you clarity and solutions with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back. This is Jeanne-Marie Penel, your host for The Art of Parenting. And today I am delighted to have Carla Nomberg with us. Carla is an author of several parenting books. And um, I just want to start out with saying that this podcast might have a few little beeps and we're not going to put in beeps. We're just going to be ourselves. So if you have small children and you don't want them to hear adults using profanity, please use your earbuds. Um, you will have been warned. It's nothing major, but just I, I like to give fair warning. And uh, let's get right into speaking with our guest, Carla. Carla, thank you and welcome for being here today. I know you had to kind of rush off and get a sick child, bring them home and be here. So I really appreciate your presence here. Thank I'm- you and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm so happy to be here um, to talk about my book. And yes, I'm I'm a parent too. And I got a call about an hour before our recording that my daughter wasn't feeling well. So I ran off to school and got her and made it back just in time. Oh, perfect. Perfect. And you were telling me that you're, you're, you're tag, uh, team tagging with your husband who's also home. So that is perfect. Thank you to him. Um, so just to get started, and this is a question I like to ask all of my guests, is how would you define the art of parenting? So this is something I've thought about a lot as I was working on my third book, which is called How to Stop Losing Your Shit with Your Kids. And I think the art of parenting is really about how we respond to our children in any given moment. And, you know, we all go into parenting with goals and dreams and fantasies about what it's going to be like and the kind of parent we're going to be and the kind of children we're going to raise. And then inevitably our kids show up with surprises and some of them are delightful surprises and some of them are scary or concerning or anxiety producing or rage producing. And I think the art of parenting is really about how in any given moment we respond to our children and what they show up with. Wonderful. Yes. And it, it's and being flexible to to who shows up, right? Yes. Perfect. And, yes. Yeah. And and so with the work that you do, um, I know that you've authored three uh, parenting book and your last one that you just mentioned. How did you um, get into this work? In, in, and if you if you wouldn't mind just speaking a little bit about your your journey and a little bit about the work that you're doing today and how you came about to. Absolutely. So I'm a clinical social worker by training. And so I had worked in, you know, with parents and families and individuals and children for, for many years before I became a mother. Um, and then after I became a mother, my work um, really shifted and it became 
really deeply personal because parenting was by far the hardest thing I'd ever done. And I have a younger brother and sister who are quite a bit younger than me. And I grew up with a lot of cousins. So I thought I was totally prepared to be a parent. Um, and what I found was that I was, I was actually losing my temper and I was a lot more irritable with my daughters, um, who are now nine and 11 years old. But when they were young in the early years, I, I was a very anxious parent and I was very irritable. And I knew that that wasn't how I wanted to be. And as someone who, you know, chose a career in social work and is deeply interested in sort of the human experience and relationships and emotions and, and the messiness of life and the messiness of family, I sort of threw myself into trying to understand how someone like me, who was never a yeller before I had children, suddenly found myself losing my shit with my kids. And so the way I really came to this book was it was a combination of my professional interests and work and also my deeply personal challenges. Um, and it took me, you know, several years and a pretty windy road to get to a place where, you know, I'm not a perfect parent. I still lose my temper with my kids sometimes, but it happens a whole lot less often and it's less intense than it used to be. And so the reason I wrote this book is because I'd like to spare other parents the the various detours that I took and help them have hopefully a somewhat straighter and easier path to calmer, happier, you know, less cranky parenting. Well, thank you for that, because I, I, I know it is very valuable. And like you say, you know, it is um, it is kind of the, the, the biggest responsibility that you'll ever have raising uh, other humans, really, and, and shepherding them into this world. What have you found, you know, in your research as you were writing your book that were kind of the, the revelations to you that, that you feel are most helpful for parents today? Oh, this is my favorite question. So <laughs> I, I had a lot of them, but I think the biggest okay. one is the most important one is a, a fundamental shift in our understanding of why we're losing it. And I think a lot of parents think that if they're losing their temper with their kids a lot, it's because either they're a bad parent who doesn't have enough willpower, who just isn't strong enough to stay patient, or they're raising a really problematic kid who, you know, pushes their buttons so much and is is annoying too much or, or just misbehaves too much. And I, I think actually that neither of those are correct or helpful. And the way I came to understand what's going on through my research and personal experience is that when we lose our tempers, we're actually having a deeply human response to a challenging situation. And I think what's happening is that our nervous systems are actually getting triggered. That over the course of a day, things happen to us, whether it's you know somebody cutting in front of us in traffic or our boss giving us a deadline we can't possibly meet or another parent on the playground making some snarky comment or we you know, get a bill we can't afford to pay. All of these things increase our stress and our nervous systems on some level sense all of these as threats. And our nervous system developed, you know, millennia ago or how thousands of years ago to really respond to physical threats, right? So a saber-toothed tiger is coming at us and our body kicks into this like fight or flight response of our heart rate speeds up and our breath becomes more shallow and our pupils dilate and our muscles tense and we get ready to either run away or to fight. And the thing is, even though most of the threats that happen to us today are more interpersonal or social or emotional or financial, our bodies actually still respond the same way. And so we'll go through our day 
kind of holding it together in the places where we have to, but really we're deeply triggered, stressed out on this kind of verge of losing it, of having what I call the fight, flight, freeze, or freak out response. And then our kids come along and they push our buttons. And at this point, our buttons are huge and bright and red and lit up and very sensitive because that's what happens when we get triggered. And the child comes along and they push our buttons. Why do they do this? They do this because maybe they're anxious, maybe they're stressed, maybe they're scared or tired or hungry, or maybe they're just a young kid who doesn't have a fully developed brain to think clearly through these things. And developmentally, that's what kids do, right? They push buttons to keep our attention because they're wired to do that. And so, and sometimes our buttons are pushed in ways, you know, when our kids do things that really aren't that annoying, we just don't have the bandwidth to handle anything. So here we are all stressed out and triggered. Buttons are big and bright and red and sensitive. Kid comes along and they do what kids do. They push those buttons and we lose it. And so I think when we have that perspective, that it's not that we are a person who lacks willpower. It's not that we're a weak or bad parent raising a bad kid. It's that we're a human being with human limitations. What we can then start to do is figure out ways to take care of ourselves and to set appropriate limits and boundaries with our children while also understanding that we need both. We need to take care of our buttons, take care of our nervous system, and take care of our kids. Right. One thing, though, that comes up, which which to me, I mean, I've noticed in my own personal life, is that we tend to be very vigilant about, you know, not losing it with other people, but our dear partners and our children kind of take the brunt of our stressed out and our extremely sensitive buttons. Is there a way or, or an understanding of, of why that is? Like why those that are closest to us, those that we love most, tend to, to get our uglier selves? Yeah, look, I think quite honestly, on a, on a most basic level, it's because we can, you know, if you lose it that way at work, you might get fired. If you right. lose it on the playground or at school, you know, it's embarrassing and you feel ashamed and people are judging you. And when you lose it at home, you know, these people love you and hopefully they'll stick with you even in your hard times. And, you know, we've all had that experience of kids who work so hard to hold it together all day at school and they come home and just fall apart. And look, I think it's okay for grownups to fall apart too sometimes. I mean, there are days when I come home and I look at my kids and I say, guys, I got nothing for you. I am so exhausted. (laughs) I had such a hard day. And look, they're nine and 11. I can say this to them. And I'll say, I love you guys, but I don't have the energy to play games. I don't have the energy to read you a book. Tonight is what I save screen time for. By the way, screen time in our house is for mommy and daddy. It's not for the kids, right? They never need it, but there are times when I need it. And so most nights we don't do screen time, but there are nights when I say, you can go ahead and watch a show because I got nothing for you. And they understand that it's not about them. And honestly, I'd rather do that than try to engage with them and end up exploding because. I'm so triggered. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that because you're being vigilant of what, you know, how full your cup is and that you could easily get triggered. So you're kind of preventing that. Absolutely. Yeah. When you say, uh, you know, you mentioned about self-care and taking care of ourselves so that we 
you know, can, can kind of nurture those extra sensitive buttons. What are some of the practices that you use or that maybe you recommend to parents of young children? Absolutely. And these are, look, these are really, most of them, very basic practices that everybody's heard of. And I think for many parents, when they hear self-care, and I know I get a little twitchy about that phrase sometimes, they they think it, it sounds indulgent or unnecessary or this extra thing like, oh, I'm going to go get a pedicure. Well, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about these fundamental practices that are required if you don't want to lose it with your children. And if you listen to what I say, you know, if you listen to the practices I'm about to describe and you say to yourself, I don't have time for that. That is literally something I cannot do because I work two jobs and I'm a single parent or I have an unsupportive spouse or I have a child with so many needs that I can't do it. Then I think all you can do at that point is have a whole lot of compassion for yourself and understand that at this point, your your life is not compatible with being a super calm parent um, or even a calm parent. And, and that's where the compassion comes in because we all have times like that. But I do know families where it was two full-time working parents with no support and they felt like they were on edge all the time and losing it. And in those cases, when possible, you know, one of them went down to part-time or they hired a nanny or they had to make some kind of fundamental shift because there was no way they could do more, right? But let's talk about these practices. I would say the first and most important one is getting sleep. Um, It is just not possible to stay calm and present and not be triggered by life when you are exhausted. And I think there, I'm sure you have listeners, Jean-Marie, who are out there thinking, I wish I could get sleep. Like I've got a newborn or I've got a sleep disorder or I've got a sick parent that has me up in the night or whatever it is. I just can't get sleep. And I understand that we all go through phases and sometimes they're pretty long phases where our sleep is very disrupted. And in those cases, what I say to parents is, look, you have to behave as if you're driving around with a flat tire on your car. You know, if you came out in the morning and saw your car in the driveway and it had a flat tire, you wouldn't say, oh, I'll fix that when my kid is 18 and then get in the car and proceed to drive as usual because you know the road would be, the ride would be incredibly bumpy and you'd probably do more damage to your car. You would say, okay, my day just got super disrupted. I have to take a whole bunch of stuff off my calendar until I can fix this. And if you are a person who is fundamentally exhausted on a daily basis, that's how I want you to think about things. I want you to have a whole lot of compassion for yourself, cut yourself as much slack as you can, and acknowledge that you just can't function um, as well as you usually do. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because you're a human being and human beings need sleep. So- that's so basically, pri- yeah. So basically, prioritizing the sleep. A- any any other activities that are maybe on your to do list, like really be mindful. Is that really necessary? Absolutely. And you know, I ended up my sleep was so disrupted. I had two daughters in twenty months, and my sleep got so disrupted that I ended up working with a sleep specialist, and it was somebody that my doctor referred me to. My insurance paid for it um, because. I, I needed help getting getting back on track with my sleep. So it's it's a mm-hmm. really important thing to tackle. Um, mm-hmm. I would also recommend to parents that they do what they can to create a support system. And we I talk about support a lot in the book. I have a whole chapter on it because it's so important. And I think many of us, um, especially those of us who came to motherhood maybe a little bit later, I mean, I had my daughters in my early 30s. And by then I had already had almost, you know, a decade of being a career person working in the field of social work. And I, 
I came to this with this understanding that, you know, you, you set your mind on a goal and you work really hard and you achieve it. You just do it. And I think that, you know, those of us who come to motherhood with this career experience behind us often think that the, the raising a child is like having a job and you set a goal and you work hard. And if there's a problem, you figure out how to solve it. And then you're just going to keep getting better at it and you can achieve your goals. And parenting isn't like that. And it doesn't work that way. And we actually need a huge amount of support and we need lots of different kinds of support. And I think for many of us, when things get hard, we tend to sort of circle the wagons, close the windows, kind of keep everybody inside until we get through the crisis. And what I really recommend to parents is those are the times to reach out to your community. And then when you're doing better, those are the times to also reach out to community and offer support so that you have you know, whether it's neighbors, whether it's people from your church or synagogue or mosque or the school, or it's, you know, the physicians that you work with or the therapists that you work with, but, you know, show up for these people and create a support system. I mean, twice a year, I bring cookies to my pediatrician's office because we were in there so often that, you know, I would make sure that at one of our appointments, we would bring cookies as a way to say thank you, you know? So building a strong support network is really important. So those are the two that come to mind initially. I actually have 11 different practices in the book that I recommend parents uh, consider how they might be relevant to their lives. Yes, beautiful. And and just the, the, you know, to to kind of talk more about that support to me it's it's just how our parenting has evolved that we today seem to be you know really parenting in in total isolation where we you know we think we're connected on social media but we're really parenting in isolation and and it is really important to reach out and ask for help and not feel that you're less than because you're asking for help so thank you for that Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and giving back makes so much sense too, because we get a lot from giving. So that's beautiful. Um, just on a personal note, how were, how were you raised? Like, did, do you think that your work was affected by how you were raised? Were, were people losing their shit around you when you were a child? Oh yes. Um, so I was raised, (laughs) Look, and I think many of us were. And and before I tell you a little bit about my childhood, what I want to offer is that um, my parents were doing the best they can with what they had and what they learned from their parents and what they didn't learn from their parents. And I want to offer the context that, you know, parenting wasn't a verb until the 1970s, I think. You know, if you think about if you think about women and there really is a gender gap here, women who stayed home in the 50s and 60s and 70s were called housewives. Their job was to take care of the house. And now Mm. they're called stay-at-home moms, right? So this focus on kind of intensive parenting and the fact that parenting experts and parenting books even exist is, is relatively new in the evolution of the human species. I mean, there were not really parenting experts for most of time. There were pediatricians or priests or ministers or rabbis, like that's who you went to for advice. And I think all of this focus on um, parenting advice is kind of a double-edged sword. I think sometimes it's very helpful and sometimes it's very overwhelming. But um, no, both of my parents were pretty epic shit losers. And I grew up with a, a lot of divorce and a lot of chaos. And okay. um, But what I will tell you is that I also grow, grew up knowing that I was a very loved child and a very wanted child. There was never mm. a doubt in my mind that my parents for all their challenges, um, loved me and, and cared about me and were happy to be my parents. And so um, they did the best they could. And 
um, I know that I have, they, you know, they got divorced. And so they were both at different times raising me as single parents. And I, I frequently think about how fortunate I am to have a parenting partner, my spouse, who um, he's fantastic. He's incredibly supportive. We're a good match. Um, he's a great father. And I realize that's a privilege and a blessing that many people don't have and that I'm immensely grateful for. And so, yes, I'm, I, I think that um, my shit loss tendencies evolved not only because that's what I was raised with, but also because I had a terrible case of undiagnosed postpartum anxiety after the girls were born. And many people don't realize that irritability is actually a symptom of anxiety. And so for lots of parents, when I hear that they're really struggling with their tempers, one of the things I talk to them about is, you know, is it possible you're dealing with anxiety or depression? Um, because that can often be a factor. And I know for me, it certainly was. And treating my anxiety was one of the most powerful steps I took to get my temper under control. Wow. And when you say you went undiagnosed, how, how long oh, did gosh. you deal with that? Um, probably three or four years after my first daughter was born. So I hope that wow. your listeners yeah. feel reassured because here I am, a clinical social worker, a mental health professional. And I was so snowed by my exhaustion, by the challenges of working and being in school and raising two small children um, that I, I didn't pick up on what was going on for quite a while. So if you are yeah. a parent who hasn't picked up on your symptoms or your challenges, you're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, thank you for sharing that because I think that is really important. The whole, you know, postpartum depression really affects way more parents than we know. And, and it does go undiagnosed for many. So, so thank you for that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So one thing that, uh, you know, with, with, with talking about the evolution of parenting that you mentioned, is that, do you have any words that um, you can empower parents to share how they're wanting to parent this next generation to their own parents? Because I know I get that question a lot from some of my listeners and some of my clients of, you know, I really want to parent differently, but, you know, my parents disagree or, you know, my aunt is giving me slack for it and, and such. Do you have kind of words that you can um, share with us to, to talk to our elders? Yeah, absolutely. So I see this too. And I see it arise in two different situations. One is when the grandparent or the aunt or the uncle or whoever is commenting on how the parent raise, is raising the child in their own home and the choices they're making. And what I would say to the parent is, if your choices are working for you, if you are happy with or mostly happy or happy enough with how things are going in your home life, then you can listen to their advice and say, thanks for sharing that. And then disregard it. You know, you can set up those boundaries and depending on the nature of your relationship, sometimes the boundaries are internal that you need to let your loved ones say their piece and you thank them for it. And then you move on. And sometimes the boundaries need to be more external where you say to them, um, you know, I know this is coming from a place of love and support, but I, I really prefer if you didn't share that advice with me. I don't want unsolicited advice. P.S. Most humans don't want unsolicited advice. Um, that's a thing. Um, yes. So, you know, and then, but, I, but what I would also say is if parenting isn't going well for you, if you feel like you're not happy with how you're parenting or what's going on with your child, maybe take a moment, try to consider what your loved one is saying. Now, maybe it's not the right advice for you, but maybe we're thinking about 
Now, there's a different issue too, which is what's happening when you send your children over to that person's house, right? Let's say that the grandparents are helping or whatever. And I actually spend a lot of time encouraging parents in that case to be more flexible. Um, Assuming Mm -hmm. that your child is safe. um, Now, this is a different story if the grandparents or the aunt or uncle is taking care of your child, you know, seven or eight hours a day, five days a week for an extended period of time, then I think before you enter into that sort of agreement, you really need to sit down and talk with your loved one about these are these are my expectations and do you think you can meet those? And if not, this may not work, right? But right. if it's like an hour or two once a week or something like that with the grandparents, assuming the child is safe, let it go. Don't worry about it. It doesn't mean that you have to change your rules. Kids can grow up knowing that different families and different houses and different people have different rules. That's okay. Because guess what? That's part of life. Like different people we meet out in our lives are going to have different standards and expectations. And part of growing up and maturing is learning that sometimes we have to tailor our behavior or our expectations to who we're with. And so assuming there's nothing really heinous going on, Drop your kid off and then go enjoy yourself for an hour or two and let it go. If they give them sweets, if they let them watch a TV show, who cares? It's fine. The kid will be fine. Really, really, they will. Yes, so, I love that. Yes, thank you for that because it's true. You know, it's it's for me at least. You know, personally, I know that when I would you know leave my children in the care of other family members, it's you have to respect their way. And like you say, there are different ways. You know wherever, even, even in our own household. I mean, I'm sure you and your husband parent differently and you kind of have to let it go. Right. Absolutely. And I really think that children benefit from spending time with multiple adults who love them and care for them and have different ways of showing that love and caring because it's how they learn to be flexible and adaptive. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you for that. Um, one thing I, I, I like to kind of wrap things up with a more personal question, if I may. Absolutely. And that, and that is, you mentioned that your eldest is 11. So if you were to go back, um, let's say 12 years when you were expecting your first child, what wise words would you tell that expectant uh, mother knowing all that you know today? So the first thing that I, I, I will answer this question because it's such a good one. But the first Mm -hmm. thing I want to say is that um, I don't think I would have listened to my own advice, even if it was coming from me, because I think developmentally early on in pregnancy and those first years, it's so hard to realize what you don't know and what you need to know. So Mm -hmm. if you are a new parent and somebody is saying this to you and you feel like you don't want to hear it or they don't know what they're talking about. Um, that's okay. Developmentally, that's quite normal. But what I would go back and say is, um, take your own needs more seriously, Carla. You know, I was, I was struggling with massive anxiety. I wasn't sleeping at night. Um, I knew I wasn't doing well and I kind of wrote it off as like, oh, ha ha. This is the challenge of the working parent. This is what it means to be a parent in the 21st century. And I sort of, I think a little bit like pulled the martyr card and was like, oh, I'm just a working mother and I'm so tired all the time, but here's my mug of coffee and I'll be fine. And oh my gosh, I'm so busy. I have to go. And I I was kind of playing it up a little bit because I didn't know what else to do. And now I, I, I wish I could have gone back and said to myself, hey, this isn't cool. This doesn't make you um, tougher or stronger or more accomplished or whatever you think you were doing. 
you're just suffering. So like, stop, stop taking on extra work you can't do. Um, stop holding yourself to unreasonable parenting expectations. Go back to your therapist sooner. Like talk to the sleep consultant, listen to your husband when he says you think you have a sleep problem. Cause he was saying this for years. And of course I didn't listen to him. Cause why would I listen to my husband? Um, <laughs> you know, and like, so I think I would say to myself, like, take yourself more seriously because I can't give my children what I don't have. And if I don't have calm and grounding and a sense of, you know, the ability to take care of myself, I, I can't give that to them. And so now I can give that to them because I have it a lot more. Perfect. So important. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, anything that you want to make sure our listeners remember as we wrap up kind of your last words? Of wisdom. Yes. Um, one thing we haven't talked about really briefly is that self-compassion is an incredibly powerful tool for um, making changes to long entrenched habits, such as yelling at your children. And, you know, the ability to be compassionate with yourself and remember that you're not alone, that we all struggle with parenting and that it's okay if you have rough days, um, it makes parenting easier and uh, less stressful. So what I really encourage parents to do is to practice self-compassion. And I write about this a lot in the book. So if parents are interested in any of this, I would encourage them to pick up a copy of How to Stop Losing Your Shit with Your Kids. Perfect. And I'll have those uh, links in the show notes. So thank you for that. Um, any uh, way that our audience can continue knowing about you and your work? Um, sure. I mean, really the best way is through the book. Um, they can also follow me on Instagram. I'm Carla Nomberg on Instagram is the best place to follow me. And they can get my book from the public library, from independent booksellers or online booksellers. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for this wonderful conversation. Uh, thank you for taking the time and being here with us today. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Do you ever feel like you're doing this parenting thing alone, tired of searching the web for answers to all your parenting questions? Well, I've got you covered. You and I know it does take a village to raise a child, and I'd like to invite you to yours. Be the calm, confident, and peaceful parent you want to be with the support of my parenting membership community. Get all the support you deserve and create the family and home you've been dreaming of. In my parenting community, I share all the tools and strategies I've acquired over my many years of mentoring and helping families find their peace of mind and enjoy a stress-free family life. I've created this community for you to be the parent you want to be. Let go of the stress and overwhelm today and enjoy your parenting journey with your beautiful children. You both deserve it. In this community, you will find video tutorials that answer your parenting concerns and teach you how to support your child's healthy development. Monthly group coaching calls with me and all the other supportive members where I personally answer all your burning parenting questions. My parenting toolkit, which is full of resources that I've created over my many years of mentoring and speaking to parents and professionals worldwide. And what I love most about my parenting membership community is the amazing supportive village you can lean on. You and I know parenting was never meant to be done alone. So come meet your tribe in the supportive and encouraging village of like-minded parents. It's open 24 hours, 7, just for you. 
Visit voilamontessori.com slash membership for more information and come join me today to become the parent you know you are meant to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Art of Parenting. And if you did, please make sure to share it with your loved ones. I'd also be grateful for a review on iTunes so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.